the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast, where the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today we are really emphasizing our nostalgic past. Well, kind of. Uh, especially with the movie, but really it is a homage or an ode to Mark Dacascos. This is our Mark Dacascos episode. How do you, I'm, how, I'm not sure exactly that pronunciation. I think that was right. Mark Dacascos. I think it's Dacascos. Yeah, Dacascos. Uh, so, yes, we are going to be reviewing the 1993 film Only the Strong. Uh, and then we are going to be doing a, also a review of the TV show Iron Chef. And then we're going to do our own recasting of Only the Strong. I'm not particularly happy with my casting. I wasn't either. I had to rush it, and none of it felt right. Yeah, um, so, same. So we'll, we'll talk about it, I guess, when we get to that point. Um, but Only the Strong, it came out in 1993. John, could you please set our minds back to then? So the movie was released on August 27th, 1993. The Billboard Top 100 single of that week was... Can't Help Falling in Love by UB40. Whoa, 1993? Mm-hmm. I thought that was an 80s song for some reason. <laughs> nope. I guess I'm thinking of Red Red Wine. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, but, Can't uh, Help Falling in Love is... Uh, yeah, it's, it's an old Elvis. Yeah, it's an old song. Just redone. Right. I mean, UB40, I think, made a career out of kind of doing covers. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Topping the Nielsen ratings for that week is not really a surprise for 93. It was Home Improvement. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very popular. Kind of forget how popular it was. Mm-hmm. I know I've mentioned this book before, so this book was on the New York Times bestseller list for quite a while. Uh, it was Bridges of Madison County by Robert James Waller. Okay, a book I've heard of at least. Haven't yes. read, but I have heard of it. Uh, PC gamers uh, around this time in 1993 were playing a game called Return to Zork. <laughs> okay. Which I'm pretty sure Zork was a pretty popular PC game back in the 80s, and I think this was their attempt to uh, kind of capitalize on the. I'm, I'm looking at it. I don't remember anything about this game. No. Well, we didn't play a lot of PC games back then. Yeah. We were we were all about the, the Nintendo console. Mm-hmm. And a little fun fact about 1993, around this time, uh, Oprah did a very famous interview with Michael Jackson, and to this day, it is the most watched TV interview in TV history. Whoa. Okay. Wow. So, that was 1993. All right. Well, as this movie is all about capoeira, uh, we are going to hit that beer and bow, start a Jenga, and let's uh, dance fight our way into Only the Strong. <laughs> Only the Strong from 1993. It was written and directed by Sheldon Lettich. Uh, he wrote the screenplay for Bloodsport. Mm-hmm. He also wrote and directed Double Impact and Lionheart, both uh, JC, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme uh, action films. Uh, so he's well-versed in, like, the martial arts film world. Yeah. 
The cast for this film is Louis Stevens, who's played by Mark Dacascos, who we talked about earlier. A lot of people might know him from Brotherhood of the Wolf, or actually more recently, he played a villain in John Wick 3. Yeah. And that's, I think, a lot of people. And then uh, definitely in Iron Chef America that we'll talk about, yeah. I think, is maybe his most, you know, pop culture role. Yeah. That he's known for. Uh, Diana is played by Stacey Travis. Uh, she's been in Ghost World, Intolerable Cruelty, a lot of small parts. So she's still doing quite a bit of acting stuff. Yeah. Kerrigan is played by Jeffrey Lewis. I remember him actually most from the Mel Gibson movie Maverick. Myself, personally, besides this one, of course. I Actually, I remember him most, uh, besides this, is is uh, actually being in the TV show The A-Team. Um, he showed up at least two oh. or three times as different villains. Oh, okay. He was a staple <laughs> character actor in the 80s. True. Any TV show in the 80s, he probably popped up on. Yeah, yeah you're right. You're right. Silvario is played by Paco Prieto. Uh, he hasn't done too much. He had like six credits, but I did read that. Um, I think it was either on his wiki or, or one of his on his bios. It says he's done a lot of Mexican soap opera stuff. He's producer oh, okay. and, and some things. So I think he stays and they may not be on IMDb, but a lot of like Mexican soaps. Right. And I think he's stars and and might even direct and produce. He, he so. looks like a soap opera star. Oh, my God, he does. <laughs> <laughs> Big time. So I thought I saw that. And I was like, oh, that's very fitting. <laughs> so. Uh, and then the last person I'm going to mention, Orlando, is played by Richard Coca, uh, who we talked about in the movie Lone Star. Yes. If anybody remembers that. And another movie that is wasn't expecting a lot of people to know, um, mm-hmm. but is from our nostalgia. So so kind of in that same vein, I guess our nostalgia is very Richard Coca. I you know, guess. We, we, he, he, fits in, <laughs> he fits in with a lot of the movies that we love. Now, granted, Lone Star is one that I remember from our mom. Yeah. I want you to tell us, you know, because we have the exact same way of, as to why we found this movie, but but let everybody know, like, how did how did we come to Only the Strong? Well, I remember our dad showed it to us, and I can't remember if it was one that we happened to all discover together or if it was one that he had seen and then decided to show us. I think it was the latter. I think so, too, because I'm very certain, and I remember seeing, like, you know, I'm pretty sure Dad had um, a recorded version off HBO or something like that. Yeah. And so we would watch it over at his house with that version. I just kind of have the memory of, like, the handwriting on it or whatnot. <laughs> right. And so I'm pretty sure maybe he saw it, and then when it was on later or whatnot, he recorded it on the VHS and had us watch it. I'm pretty sure he said, yeah, sit down. We're going to watch this movie together. That sounds right. And then we all loved it. Yes. I mean, this this is really high up there when it comes to, I would say the Spies kids, nostalgia, like our cumulative, like if there's a couple movies that we all have like a fondness for mm-hmm. in nostalgia, this one is up there. I, when I, all right, so when I think of movies with our dad, I think of three mm-hmm. movies. Uh, I think of Only the Strong. Uh, I think of Billy Jack. Billy Jack, yeah, yeah. Definitely. And Flashdance. <laughs> oh, okay. Because <laughs> I, yeah, I, I was trying to think of what the third one was. Interesting on the flash dance, yeah. Yes, those are the. the yeah. I remember for a long time. I swear those were the only three movies he had. That's <laughs> possible. And like the first two were like recorded off of something, but I know he had the flash dance actual cassette because I remember seeing mm-hmm. the the cover of uh, oh I can't remember her name it's Jennifer something uh, J- Jennifer Beale yeah Jennifer, Jennifer Beale like with the with the big uh, sweater yep over yeah, clothes exactly. and stuff so yeah. yeah but this is definitely one of those movies that. Our dad inter- introduced us to, and actually is played a very big influence in some of my sort of music decisions when I went to college. Yeah, uh, I definitely want to um, talk a little bit about that when we get to sure. seeing some of the instruments. Yep. One other, th- so I guess good transition 
besides the, obviously the movie and and all all watching it together, the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. The I I can't remember. I think we someone had this soundtrack. I ha- I had it. I think I still have the CD somewhere. And I, we listened to it so much. Yeah. I feel it's so good. Which is weird because none of the songs were really music styles that we listened to. Like mm-hmm. a lot of it is a lot of like South Roar, uh, South Florida hip hop and and yeah. and kind of Latin inspired techno and all kinds of wild stuff. But we loved this soundtrack, all the songs on there, and I still listen to quite a few songs from it. Yeah, yeah, I would say I do as well. So, um, all right, yeah, I, I love that this is a movie that you, me, and our sister Abby, we can get together and put it on, and I think we're just gonna have a good fucking time. Yeah, and we're gonna enjoy it. So. Uh, all right, let's do our breakdown of Only the Strong. All right, we start off, we begin in beautiful Brazil, and we meet Luis. He's in army garb, um, obviously an American army guy who's down in Brazil. We get mm-hmm. some good Brazilian music playing, and we see some guys forming a circle. Um, and this is where I know we got our very first introduction to capoeira. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I mean, who, not a lot of, I still think not a lot of people know what capoeira is. Agreed. It's getting more and more popular or more and more well known, but it's still not very widely known. Can you explain exactly kind of what it is? Did you, did you do some classes? I did. I took a couple of classes. It's very difficult. Um, it's very difficult to do. Um, I joined the classes mostly for the music side, which we'll talk mm-hmm. about later again when, because there's a scene sure. that does a very good job of kind of introducing stuff. So the 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 martial art itself comes from Brazil and I mean there's lots of different stories like like any kind of martial art it's it's taken influences from all over the world but basically the bare bones description of it is it was a martial arts that was disguised as a dance by the slaves in Brazil because we all, we also you know when we think of slavery we tend to think of you know the US but there were also a lot of slaves in Brazil. In fact, uh, after the Civil War, there was a, go- a pretty big contingent of Southern slave owners who moved to Brazil after the Civil War because they could still own slaves there. And I cannot, I do not know off the top of my head when Brazil ended slavery, but I don't think it was mm-hmm. much long after we did. Okay. But the, the moves, they were not allowed to practice any kind of self-defense, so they disguised their uh, self-defense in the form of dance. So they're dance these they I mean and that's really what it is it's a dance but it's the it's it disguises a lot of kicks and there's a lot of like elaborate flipping and stuff like that and that's to make it look more dance like. That's a awesome little history lesson there. We then see uh, Lewis kind of joins in uh, in the circle and he's he's you know he's obviously become friends with these people they've taught him capoeira or else he's known it you know in his own form or something. Then comes some military guy. Basically, Lewis is being sent back to the U.S. And this uh, friend, before he leaves, hands him a traditional instrument called a birambau. Mm-hmm. And you had you had one of these for sure. Yes, I uh, up until recently, mine unfortunately broke, and I have not had a chance to order another one because I need to order it from certain places. I have a small one <laughs> that's uh, so someone gave me as a as a gift when they they went to uh, they went to Brazil. Um, it's not really playable like a real instrument but it basically okay. looks like to describe it it basically looks like a bow from a bow and arrow and you take a gourd with a with a string or a wire on it and you slide it up onto the bow to create tension and the gourd acts as an amplifier and you hit the beer and bow with a stick 
Um, and also, uh, you also in the same hand that you're holding a stick, sometimes you'll hold a uh, shaker called a kashishi. Um, and it slips over your fingers, so you you hit that with a stick, and then in your in the hand that's holding the beer and bow, you hold either a coin or a rock, and you push it against the string to change the pitch of the string. So the, it basically okay. has two sounds. It has like a high sound and a low sound based on whether or not you're pushing the, the coin or rock into it. Mm-hmm. But you can do all kinds of really cool things with it. Um, I studied it a little bit when I was in college, and in fact, in my junior recital, I did a whole... Capoeira song with a with the beer and bow where I actually had to sing. Oh, I had to cool. sing in Portuguese. Nice. Do you have a recording of that by chance? I did somewhere, and I don't oh. know if I still have it. Darn. I would have to. I would have to. I would have to really uh, pull a bunch of stuff out to see if I still have that recording. Well, if he can find it, we'll drop it in right now. So I have no idea currently if it's going to be dropped in or not, but we'll see. <laughs> and John just might not have the time to find it. But you can just imagine. Just imagine John singing and playing beer and bow. Sure. So. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, so uh, we then get a montage. What I actually like here, just to going with the soundtrack, we got the song that we heard in Brazil that, that was being played while they were kind of doing um, you know, their their jinga and doing yeah. like their... Um, can't remember exactly what that's called, but the Jogo, the game, the Jogo. Thank you. Like the, the circle, the circle kind of thing. Yeah. But then when we get to him writing like a montage of him riding a bus back to Miami, they take that same song and they kind of remix it. Yeah. And I like that. This that is as you put it, it is they do a lot of good a job of uh, remixing things into a more like hip hop elements or you know it's a South Florida Miami style hip hop and electronica um, put into traditional Brazilian capoeira music. Yeah, so that's very cool. Uh, Lewis eventually heads to Lincoln High, which is his alma mater, and it's a fucking dump. Man, it is a mess. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, in the bathroom, one of the kids who was actually going to become one of his students later asked if he's selling drugs. I always love how he's like, "Hey, I've got twenty, and he licks his licks the uh, bill, sticks it <laughs> on his forehead. What can I get for twenty? And I just <laughs> little things that are memorable for you. Yeah, we see uh, we meet Kerrigan, who is a teacher uh, in one of the class, and obviously no one's paying attention because just really emphasizing this is not a good school. Um, you know, no one's giving a shit about anything. Uh, Lewis goes and sees him after the class is over. But oh, Lewis is a f- real quick. So in in that scene, there's a guy in the back who says, "Yo, Carrie, I got your natural selection, my man. How about I naturally select to walk out of this boring ass classroom?" <laughs> that is Mellow Man Ace, who supplied the song "Babalu Bad Boy" for the soundtrack. Oh, and that's awesome! Yeah, "Babalu Bad Boy," "Babalu." I love that song too. <laughs> that's a great one. It is. 
Actually, I've got that written down. <laughs> Just actually coming up. Yeah, because that's about to play. That's awesome that that was him. Yeah, I yeah. love his little line there. How about I, yeah, whatever it is, out of your boring-ass classroom. Grabs his, like, ghetto blaster and walks yeah. out. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was probably his song playing on the ghetto blaster when he walked out. That makes sense. So, uh, Lewis is a former student. Um, who Kerrigan kind of helped guide. He was kind of a misguided youth, if you will, and Kerrigan kind of helped write his path, and he went into the army and et cetera, et cetera, became a Green Beret. So he's trying to figure out what to do now, and he was looking for guidance from Kerrigan. But Kerrigan, at this point, he's disillusioned by these kids. He's just like, man, they're they're fucking useless, basically. (laughs) Which, I got to be honest, I've been there. Yeah. I've been I've been like the I've been the bright-eyed, you know, super positive teacher who wants to help everyone and I've also been the disillusioned teacher who's like, "God, just get me through this year. I can't take these mm-hmm. kids anymore. There's there's no hope." I've been I've yeah. been I've been to both and it's hard because teaching is hard and there's a lot of there's a lot of things that make it difficult to do the job. I don't doubt it. That's <laughs> I have seen so I've I've been working a little bit with kids as well. And just when like we're supposed to be dealing with the, in what we have, a, we have a youth council that that um, I help lead, which is going to you know teach some kids about our local government, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And some of the times, you know, they just there's just so apathetic. Oh, yeah. To yeah. Any, and, and they're supposed to be like these are supposed to be like the, the top level kids. They have to like apply to get in and stuff like that to, to join this this group. Not that saying it's like intensely difficult, but right. it's like. Come on, y'all are supposed to be like so. And we've had multiple people that are valedictorians in our area, and it's just like, damn, all these kids are just—they don't give a shit about nothing, man. I see a lot of that. I'll be honest. Yeah. All right. So Lewis, obviously, a little bit disheartened by Kerrigan's, uh, you know, disillusionment, um, starts to leave. I, I wrote down here. I love the song "Babalu Bad Boy" that plays in the background. <laughs> that's exactly, that was a nice little note. I'm glad. That's really cool. <laughs> But then a fight breaks out between a drug dealer and a student who's actually his brother. Now, how the hell is it is actually his brother? One of the guys, Philippe, is so Jamaican, it's crazy. Right. <laughs> he couldn't be more Jamaican if he tried. Yes. <laughs> and the other guy is not even like close he's very very americanized but i guess you know it happens yeah well there's a it seems like there's a fairly big age gap there so you know likely the older brother grew up in jamaica while the younger brother grew up in the u.s yeah we'll allow it the younger brother who's shay that we'll come to know um is not selling the product you know selling the product (laughs) (laughs) i have a terrible jamaican accent but yes you do (laughs) but lewis ends up you know he kicks the guy kicks the guy's ass and his guy and his other men with his sweet capoeira moves. Yes. The other guys don't fight so well. No, I was exactly <laughs> going to do that. Particularly, I think it was like the first guy who's kind of wearing a hat. And he tries this kick. And I'm like, I laugh. Because it's so, it's like, wow, you're obviously not trained in any. I mean, I'm not saying I could kick better. Right. But you put that shit on film. Like, that's not good. They obviously <laughs> did not put money in the budget to have some of the extras learn how to do any of this stuff. They just... On set, just be like, just just kick him. Just try yeah. to kick him. <laughs> well, I didn't do like a, what most people would probably do, which is like some kind of like sidekick or something like that. He does like this whole sweeping leg roundhousey kind yeah, of kick. All of, for some reason, everyone in this movie who fights knows how to fight in a capoeira style. Exactly. They don't just try like everyone. <laughs> they don't do like uh, down and dirty street fighting. At right. All. Nope. It's well, okay. Oh, it's time to fight, John. All right. Let me get out my capoeira moves. Let me get into my jenga. <laughs> 
everyone. <laughs> everyone. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, Kerrigan notices that the entire student body is watching on in this fight, and they're so fixated on it. He's so excited because he got their attention with fighting. Of course. <laughs> Interesting. So Kerrigan goes to the other teachers and the principal, and he wants to start a program to focus the energy uh, of these kids, like the absolute bottom of the barrel, the worst kids that they have, teach them this capoeira, and maybe it'll give them some discipline like it has with Lewis, because he was a bad yeah. kid. I mean, on the face of it, it's not a bad idea. Certainly not. I agree. You know, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, same kind of thing. You take, oh, pa- student or parents think, oh, my God, my, my kid is, you know, so troublesome. Let me send him to the army. Right. Same kind of thing, yeah. honestly. Um, but I, I, it's, it's, a, it's a whole test kind of thing. Um, just to see if, you know, they're going to they're gonna test this theory out, see if it'll work. Not a lot of people are up are into it or willing to do it until Diana. Enter Diana. We meet her, and she is another teacher and a former friend slash former love interest of Lewis's, who uh, obviously went to school with him and is now a teacher there at Lincoln High. But she steps up and defends him, and so they're going to move forward with it. Later, Kerrigan and Lewis clean up an old-ass firehouse <laughs> as, their de- as their dojo. There's this one portion... And I always remember this as a kid. Uh, you know where Kerrigan like sees those like squatters? Yes. Where they're either like asleep or they're strung out. Yeah, yeah. And he says, Fellas, your lease is up. Fellas, your lease is up? Yes. When I was younger, I always thought they were dead. Oh, really? I, th- <laughs> I could Why well, they don't move. Right. They're not breathing. They don't say anything. And I was just like, oh, shit, those are some dead bodies. But I, I think as an adult, they're probably yeah. strung out on, on heroin or something like that. And I love that line. I actually use that line. If, if I need people to be like, fellas, that's, your lease is up. That's good. Nobody knows the <laughs> reference, but I do. And it makes me laugh inside. Yeah. All right. We get a montage of Lewis and Kerrigan cleaning up uh, with some Miami style music going on. Uh, then the kids arrive, and you know, as I said, these are these are the worst of the worst. You know, we have the kid who was in the uh, the drug fight with his older brother. Uh, we meet Orlando. We've seen him around, and some other kids. The kid who stuck the twenty dollar bill on his head, and mm-hmm. other people. Some of the kids who don't seem as bad. No, I would say I was gonna say Danny, the dude the, who walked out of Kerrigan's class looked like he should have been there too. Yes, because they, they, they were like people who were beyond redemption, tr- prime dropouts, and I'm like. Really? Like Donovan? Like Donovan is a pretty sweet kid in the, on the he end is of Donovan it. Donovan and Danny. Like Danny's a skateboarder. Yeah. But that was his that was why he was bad. He was a skateboarder. Right. And then Donovan liked music. Right. <laughs> and so they're bad kids. So yeah. yeah, they never Donovan, you're right. Donovan particularly is a sweet kid. Yeah. So uh, Lewis has Donovan. Donovan who's got this other kind of a big ghetto blaster with him, whatever. X um, base. Uh, that's what it says. X base. That's what yeah, it says. It's a big Big stereo yeah, exactly. system. Um, and Donovan has Lewis turn the music up. You! I want you to turn that music up. I said turn it up! Okay. Fuck you, Bob. And he tries to teach the kids capoeira and try to like get onto their level. Like, hey, I'm cool. <laughs> I'm hip. I listen to your music. And they're just totally not into it. Uh, Lewis then swaps the tape out for some traditional capoeira music. And of course, they hate it. Right. They just make fun of it. Orlando, at that point, is kind of getting sick of stuff. And him and him and Lewis are kind of going at it. And he ends up pulling a knife. And Lewis humiliates him oh, with capoeira. He looks like he's enjoying it, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's just having fun. Just kind of, you know, moving around as uh, 
Orlando's kind of like swiping his knife wildly. And he, t- exactly, you would think he might be a little bit more like, oh shit, that's still a knife. Right. <laughs> but no. Well, I mean, just- you know, Lewis, first of all, Lewis was a Green Beret. Yeah. And secondly, he was hanging out in Rio, which has some of, you know, some of the worst gangs. That was probably by far not the first time anyone's ever pulled a knife on him. You're you're probably correct there. So he ends up humiliating Orlando, and he ends class for the day. Kerrigan lets us know that, hey, that's uh, Orlando. His cousin runs this big drug cartel in the city. So we just kind of get some, some exposition like, okay, he's uh, tied in with somebody who's big and important and scary. Donovan then wants to borrow the tape of traditional music. Uh, obviously, he's a big music guy. And so we cut to the morning, and we hear Donovan's mix. He's taken the traditional track, and he's remixed it. And I love that sound, that that it works really well together. Uh, But the next day, the students, again, are still very hesitant uh, Shay, I like his little line. This is Stevens. <laughs> I thought we was gonna learn how to kick ass. Uh, and he gets made fun of by Eddie, who I, <laughs> I like even better when he's like, <laughs> But uh, Mr. Stevens, I thought we was gonna learn how to kick ass. <laughs> <laughs> and then he starts like kind of messing with Shay and then slaps him. Yeah. You know, they start to get into a fight. Again, these are the bottom of the barrel kids. Lewis dismisses them all but Shay. And says, hey, you stay around, and if you want to learn martial arts and capoeira, I'm going to have the two of y'all fight. Good teaching moment, right? (laughs) But I'll teach you how to beat him up, and that's, you know, and and, and obviously, it's going to be something that can help show these people, like, hey, one day of capoeira training is all you need. Yeah. (laughs) You can start beating up people. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of of things that are a little iffy about this. I mean, to be fair, it's, it's, it's a horrible legal teaching moment. As far as like a street <laughs> moment, that's probably a very smart thing to do. But what yeah. gets me about this scene is is he's going through all these moves with Shay, and Shay is super slow. <laughs> oh my god, it's kind I of painful. I was saying the same thing. Like you should you should probably practice on your timing because you know that's that's speed and quickness on a kick or any martial arts move. Yeah. is important. And he's doing these kashada kashada. I can't remember. Yeah, but they they are they are at like. Not even half time, slower. It's like quarter time. How how quick they should be. Yeah. But I do like the edit that we've got yeah, here. That is a so great cut. It is. It's just a, it's a really good cut where they're kind of practice. He's practicing with Lewis, kick to the face, kick to the face, kick to the gut, or whatever that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he has him practicing it kind of over and over again. And then on one of them, where it's the kick to the face, we cut to him kicking Eddie. And now we're in the middle of this fight, and he's beating him up, and he's doing a great job. Woo! One day of crapware training is all you need. <laughs> After the ass kicking, other students kind of jump in onto the Jenga, uh, which is like them just kind of getting into their their dance. It's the basis of capoeira. And, you know, even Eddie eventually jumps in as well. So not all of them have come to accept it yet, but they're getting there. Yeah. So next they start practicing with percussion instruments. So here, as you kind of mentioned, there is a lot of a tie between music and capoeira. Before, I'd love for you to kind of tell us, um, you, you, was there anything else to your Capoeira music? And you said you did some more stuff with it. Yeah. So coincidentally, my main professor, my main percussion professor actually studied in Brazil for a little okay. while and and learned some traditional Brazilian 
music. Not necessarily just capoeira or capoeira per se, but he was very interested in it. So that's how I was able to get away with doing a, a capoeira song for my uh, for my junior recital. Part of my junior recital was because he was, I, you know, he did a lot of stuff with him. Um, so I've actually studied Brazilian percussion quite a quite a bit for the average person, I would say. Um, there are, you know, I'm by no means an expert, and there are millions of people or tons of people who are way better at it than I am. Um, but I, I'd, I'd say, I had a big interest in it. So, um, oddly enough, the instruments that they're playing are not Brazilian instruments. They're playing congas, the tambourine. Those are instruments that they could get. You know, that that would not be uncommon. It would be very difficult for for uh, especially like a small little you know outside class like that to get kind of instruments and they probably borrowed them from the band program if there was a band program at Lincoln High. Mm, yeah, it did not look like there was. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the one thing I will talk about, so the only traditional actually Brazilian instrument that he chose is the birimbau. Um, but you, have, you see a guy playing a tambourine uh, and there is a Brazilian instrument called a pandero, which looks like a tambourine, but it's got a, it's got a tunable head on it it's going to be hard to describe this. I can kind of show Adam when I do this. The The jingles on a tambourine flare out, mm-hmm. but on a pandero, they're cupped in towards each other. So you get a rattle, okay. but it doesn't, it doesn't uh, shake as long as a tambourine does, so it's very quick. So it, it's actually more like a drum than it is like a tambourine, even though it looks exactly like a tambourine. If you if you go go look up um, Pandero players, they are wizards on that thing. Hmm. Uh, it's a it's amazing to watch a really good Pandero player. But yeah, there's Brazilian percussion is just a whole thing on its own, and I I I love listening to traditional like samba bands and. Uh, you know, capoeira groups and anything like that. Yeah, I'm looking at. I mean, it looks just like a tambourine to me, so it's kind of hard to hard to tell some of the difference. But right, but cool. I just want to add in there. I love how you see Eddie getting picking up one of the like a bongos, and he's just so terrible timing. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> for yeah, for a music person, I'm sure it was just like uh, piercing how off he was with the beat. He eventually gets to it, but he, you know, he's he's enjoying himself and he's learning. Yeah. So yay. <laughs> Lewis tries to have Orlando practice the beer and bow and and you know work on that. He says, "Oh, it's in your blood." And Orlando's just like, "No, fuck that, dude." And he's still not having it. I've dealt with a lot of students who are like that. Who are like, "You don't know anything about me," and it's it's like, well, one, nobody knows anything about anyone. That's it. To me, mm-hmm. if anyone's like, "You don't know anything about me." That's a defense. That's completely defense mechanism of you don't know how to respond to the statement. Mm-hmm. That's that's all that is because that's a to me that's a bullshit answer. Nobody knows everything about anyone. I think we struck a nerve, John. I could, <laughs> I could because tell. I've dealt with students like that. I've dealt <laughs> yeah. with students like that, and they're fucking assholes. It's not like kid, it. It it really is. Anytime a kid is like that, it's usually a kid who turns out to just be an asshole. Mm. And drove it drove me crazy. Yeah. I'm like, and because they're also the ones who are also least likely to open up, yeah. and it's like, well, if you, how am I supposed to learn anything about you if you're not going to go out open to it? And occasionally you can get kids who will open up, but a lot of times they just won't. So I just stop. I'm like, All right, fine, fuck you. Well, 
you might not be as good of a teacher as Lewis Stevens then, because where <laughs> you stopped, he went over and found where he's at and playing basketball. He's good. He is determined. Yes. Also, Lewis is young and, uh, as you mentioned, determined. Also, he has 12 students where often I had 200. Yeah. Okay. And he's a Green Beret, um, so he's not really afraid of much yeah. at all. <laughs> so so he does go to find Orlando, who's playing basketball. Um, he's playing basketball in his, like, black skinny jeans. Uh, I always <laughs> thought that was kind of funny. Uh, but Lewis goes up and ends up fighting with some of the drug dealers that he's with. And then in comes Silverio. He, as you put it before, he looks very soap opery, but he's just like that perfect soap opera villain yeah. to me. Just like that slick back hair, um, tall, muscular, intimidating. Uh, so yeah, but uh, he offer. I like how he kind of offers Lewis a job. He's like, "Hey, train," because he beats up all his other guys. Hey, uh, come train my men, and uh, you know I'll give you all this money. But Lewis turns it down uh, with a nice little line. I need to get out of here before I puke all over your fancy shoes. I got to get out of here before I puke all over your fancy shoes. <laughs> Silverio is like, nah, screw this. All right, we're going to see. We're going to find out real quick who's the real capoeira maestri in this neighborhood. We're going to find out who's the real capoeira maestre in this neighborhood. Uh, <laughs> so, Silverio's accent is just so intense it is. some of the times. <laughs> Which is funny because I don't think any of the actors who were playing Brazilians were Brazilian. Yeah, and in my casting, I had trouble with that too. I, I we'll, we'll get to yeah, that. Yeah, we'll get to that. <sighs> this is going to be my like least favorite <laughs> casting, just because I'm like, eh, all right. Anyway, anyway, so they fight, and his men, you know, kind of all surrounding them, and he have a kind of specific chant that they're doing as he's doing whatever it is, but. Mm-hmm. And they're all kind of clapping. I always kind of like that, yeah. you know. Uh, and Silverio ends up kicking Lewis's ass. He beat Lewis Stevens' ass. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> that just came in my head. So uh, Lewis back at the fire station is kind of cared for. Diana cared for by Diana. He then kind of flirts with her, you know, because uh, they were a thing back in the day. And uh, it ends up working. Like, he kind of, you know, has her do a handstand, and then she could moves it to a backbend, and then he kind of... I wish I could have do that move to somebody. You know, when, when I was... You know, if I was ever fit, I would try the handstand and kind of, like, you know, be all sexy. It's a, it's a, it's a good... It's a, it works. Yeah, it works. <laughs> so, all right, the next day at class... It goes well with a, a, a montage of more students than ever practicing capoeira, including Orlando, because uh, uh, his cousin was like, hey, yeah, you can you can learn the basics from this guy, and then I'll teach you the real stuff later. Uh, they're all kind of now getting into it. Later, the principal checks out the class, and it goes really well discipline-wise. You know, he's super impressed. Even, um, you know, I think Shay and Orlando at one point accidentally hit each other in the face. That would have sh- uh, turned out into, like, a shooting. They're okay. They're getting disciplined. It's working, John. <laughs> did you did you ever think to incorporate capoeira into your uh, music classes or anything that you we were did teaching? the uh, the percussion classes? We all did. We did a samba group. We did capoeira stuff. Okay, but did you have them fight each other and kick each other in the of face? Of course not. Well, John, all right, that's the problem. This is why Lewis Stevens is a better teacher. The principal wants to you know take this on and do a whole bunch of awesome stuff with it. Uh, Lewis uses it to like, hey, let me take everybody out to a field trip. So. 
they uh, go on this bus, and it's really dark at night, and he stops the bus. He's going to go out on the beach, and everyone else is scared because, you know, they're out in the middle of the wilderness. They are afraid that, you know, there might be snakes and alligators, man. <laughs> this don't look like no Miami I've ever seen. Oh, this looks like snakes and alligators, man. So they think there's that. So they all get scared, sleep on the bus. In the morning, it is a gorgeous beach yeah. that they're at. We get a montage of them training on the beach with my favorite song of the soundtrack, Zoom, Zoom, Zoom. People are going to recognize. Uh, that's, okay, that's exactly what I was going to say next. This this actually pissed me off when I first saw the commercial. It did. T- me too. So that's the thing. So Mazda had their, they did a whole like marketing thing based off this song. Yeah. And they, they even, their slogan became Zoom Zoom. And they used this song uh, to promote their, their cars or, you know, all of that stuff. And when I remember seeing it the first time and I was like, no, no, this is from only the strong. You can't have it, Mazda. This is this is my song. This is only the strongs. And I just, yeah, whatever it was, I was yeah. very... And then it was parodied again in uh, Scrubs. Oh, yeah, zoom, 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 zoom. You zoom, zoom, zoom. I invented the zoom, zoom, zoom. Liar. <laughs> Woo. Oh, goddamn, Scrubs is good. Okay, but so is only the strong. All right, during uh, this trip's... During this trip, there was a lot of bonding, a lot of fellowship. Um, we do find out that Orlando was supposed to be working, but he ended up, you know, staying the weekend with them, and so his uh, cousin's going to be pissed. Uh, when they return, Silverio confronts Orlando right outside the school, and you know he's gonna he wants to take Orlando out of school to work full time for him, and basically, you know, Lewis tries to stop him. They're about to fight. It's uh, he's pissing off Silverio, John, and guess what? Pissing off Silverio. You know what, Santo? I'm trying to be a nice guy. But now you're really starting to piss me off. A lot of people in this town will tell you. Pissing me off. It's not a smart thing to do. It's not a smart thing to do. <laughs> Terrible accent, but like, I, just the way he says things, yeah. it sticks in my head. But before <laughs> anything wild happens, uh, the cops come and break things up. And Orlando goes with Silvadio. Adam, I'm embarrassed to say this, and I, this is kind of... Uh, Going off topic, this is not our first time talking about Mark DeCascos. And I oh, forgot. yeah, that's right. He was in Double Dragon. He was in Double Dragon. Yeah, of course, of course. I I, I had that written down. I don't know why I didn't really mention it. Or maybe I you know, didn't, didn't talk about want to. Actually, I, mean, yes. <laughs> I can understand if you didn't want to. Burned Double Dragon from my memory <laughs> yeah. banks. That's that's the problem. Double Dragon's the reason I drink. <laughs> <laughs> so then we kind of get a, a strange little scene here with uh, Silvario, Silvario and... Um, Philippe, the uh, Jamaican guy, I think I think they're maybe were rival drug dealers or something. But then they have like this, they're having like some ceremony yeah. and they're holding hands. And he basically says, you know, we've got to make an example out of this Lewis guy. That's my thought is maybe they were because because it was like a martial arts drug dealer event. I don't know <laughs> on the beach. I don't know what was going on. But my only thought was, OK, maybe they're deciding to pair together to uh, 
take on Lewis. See, when I was younger, I just assumed everyone worked for Silvario. See, that's what I did too. And I didn't come to the conclusion that maybe they were rivals, rivals. until just this white watching because yeah. I always thought Philippe I thought he worked for Silvario. Yeah, I did too. So I I think so. that's probably what it was. Okay. Although they right. they didn't make it very clear that it was two separate gangs. Exactly, and that's that's the only reason why they I feel they would have to have this kind of ceremony or whatever it was. Yeah. So we cut to seeing all of these people, these uh, you know that work for Philippe and Silvario, are trashing the school. Some guys, you know, Silvario and some guys uh, surround Diana in kind of a little scary scene, uh, and to you know send a message to Lewis as well, but nothing that bad happens. They let her go. Kerrigan finds some guys trashing his classroom, and he starts fighting with them. Uh, Silverio comes in and beats him up with uh, the beer and bow. Is that is that a proper use of the beer and bow? Uh, I don't remember. Proper? No. But I mean, <laughs> it, if in a pinch, <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, it's just a it's a big big wooden rod, basically. You know, uh, w- one thing that did bother me was the very first time you see Lewis walk in. There's a cop. There's like a, an armed guard roaming the the halls. Where was that dude? Yeah, you're right. He was, Although, he exactly. to be fair. The dude takes one look at Lewis and just keeps walking. He yeah, doesn't. Yeah, when we first. Yeah, <laughs> any anybody in any school, if you saw someone who you did not know why they were there, you would stop them to tell them, especially if you were security. So that guy did yeah. not do his job very well. No, he didn't give any shits. He probably so. called out sick that day to stay home and play video yeah. games. <laughs> probably. Uh, yeah, he was probably playing Zork. Exactly. Um, I think. Or return to Zork. <laughs> yeah, return to Zork. So, all right. Uh, so then Silvario takes uh, this, you know, little canister of gasoline and he lights up the school with it with Kerrigan passed out. Like, fuck, he's going to murder everybody. Um, or murder, at least murder Kerrigan. Shay and Donovan notice the smoke coming from Kerrigan's classroom. So they go in, they get him out. And then Donovan sees the beer and bowel that is still on the floor. And I think his love of music and his respect for Lewis. And, you know, knowing that that's a instrument that a friend gave him, he tries to go in and get it, but he is trapped in the fire and he is dead. Lewis uh, gets to the school, but it's too late. Donovan's body, um, you know, unfortunately, he didn't make it out in time. So the principal obviously is furious and he wants Lewis, you know, fires him basically on the way out. Actually, that, that armed guard that you talked about is kind of like guiding uh, Lewis out of the school now. Yeah. Where was he earlier? Don't know. Um, should he get fired? Very, very likely <laughs> too, but I guess not. But uh, I do like how on the way out, they kind of walk by the gym class and Shay comes over and the other gym teacher kind of comes in. It's like, well, Mr. Capo, what's this? Oh, look, it's Mr. Capo, what's this? <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> burn. <laughs> I don't know. So Orlando, Orlando comes uh, to the fire station and sees Lewis. He's obviously been beaten up and has bruises from Silvario or his guys or something. And he notices a map that has marked where the body shop is that Orlando works. And he kind of notices that Lewis is planning to attack Silvario's hood. We then cut to the body shop and Lewis is attacking. He's beating up the guy. Some decent action stuff. Yeah. This movie doesn't have the best coordination and the, and just or maybe this the best um stunt team uh, execution. Yeah, the best stunt team and whatnot. But you know, and it's actually this upcoming guy's fault. So he starts fighting other people. He eventually gets to this welder <laughs> who's very padded up, and they kind of have a little fun little fight. That welder was played by Frank Dukes. 
Frank Dukes was also the stunt choreographer and I think the fight choreographer for this movie. Okay. You should recognize the name Frank Dukes. I recognize the name, but I can't place where from. He is the controversial, controversial real life person uh, that inspired the movie Bloodsport. Oh. So Jean-Claude Van Damme's character was named Frank Dukes. Put up your Dukes. Um, <laughs> you know, those kind of those little jokes. But so but but the actual Frank Dukes, you know, is a martial artist. But there is some legit, pretty legit and significant claims that his entire story um, of the uh, of that kind of tournament yeah. was complete and utter bullshit. And he made it up. Wow. But yeah. Uh, so he was he played the welder. And so, um, uh, yeah. Anyway. So that's just kind of cool. Like I thought that was interesting that he was um, that he was in this movie. Uh, Lewis eventually drops a car on the welder, traps him. I thought that was a good good way to kind of end that one. And he ends up blowing up uh, a different car uh, to send a message to to Savario. So Savario sends out all of his men to try and bring Lewis to him alive. Uh, which after plenty of fighting, they do eventually bring him in. And when they uh, do bring him, we're out like on this beach area. When they bring him, his students show up all dressed up in, you know, kind of white, loose capoeira clothes, and uh, they're there to protect their teacher. And even Orlando is standing with the fellow students. He's really gotten to them, John. But before, instead of having all the students fight and all this kind of stuff, it's going to be mano a mano with Luis and Silvario. Basically, everybody, winner takes all. He gets to keep Orlando and, or, you know, whatnot and keep teaching or what, not keep teaching. That's not Silvario's job. <laughs> he can't give him his job back, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's basically going to be, you know, to the death. They're going to have machetes. Fun, fun. Uh, Silvario's men start their chant that we heard earlier the last time Silvario kicked Lewis's ass. But as they fight, motivational shift is needed, and Lewis's guys, Orlando, the students, uh, and the rest of the students, they start a chant of their own, and they start singing Paranawe, uh, which is a song that we heard earlier, one of them that uh, that uh, Lewis played for them. And this gives Lewis the motivation he needs, and he ends up beating Silvario. Yay, he won! The police comes, uh, Silvario's taken down orlando even says savario he don't own this neighborhood no more <laughs> so it's i guess i guess uh lewis owns the neighborhood now so there will be another there's still a whole drug cartel there there's still philippe there's still a whole bunch of everybody ran away but anyway uh we cut to graduation day and all those terrible kids who had no chance they were all going to be dropouts um where joe lewis from uh, uh, Lean On Me just kicked them out and said, ah, fuck you, I'm not going to deal with you. <laughs> Lewis Stevens takes them and molds them and shapes them and gets them to graduation. Uh, so, or not Joe Lewis. Both effective means. <laughs> yeah, his name's not Joe Lewis in, um, in Little, in, in uh, uh, Lean, Lean On Me. me. It's, Joe, it's Joe something. Yeah. Anyway, at, at the graduation, they do a capoeira demonstration for everybody, which includes some of the Brazilian guys that we saw at the very opening scene. Uh, it's really awesome. And uh, even Lewis kind of goes in there and does some moves in his nice suit and whatnot. <laughs> and the credits roll. That is the end of Only the Strong. John, I'm going to let you lead us off. We are. It's, it's obvious that we have a nostalgic love for this film. Yes. But a couple questions for you. Sure. 
One, you mentioned you were thinking you were going to show it to your kids, kind of like how dad sat us down and yes. had us watch it. Did you end up doing that with your family? No, but I wanted to. Um, my okay. plan was to do it, um, but uh, other plans kind of got in the way and I ended up having to watch it by myself. But I still okay. plan on showing it to them. Okay, cool. And would you have dad there too? I think say, I, I think hey, I would. That's, sit down, old man. I think that'd be one of the few times that I could get dad to just sit and watch a movie with everyone. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think that would be uh, a fun. I'm still planning on that. Okay, cool. I hope that happens. And then, all right, then my next question is, you have the nostalgia. How does it, how does it hold up? You know, how, how do you feel about rewatching this movie? Well, okay, so I, I, surprisingly better than I thought it was going to. Um, it, it had been a hot minute since I've, since I've actually watched the whole movie all the way through. Probably like 10 years, to be honest with you. It's been a while since I've actually sat down and watched the movie. Mm-hmm. To me, it's kind of it's weird. There's like two halves to this movie. There's the first half, which is up until Savario burns down the school, and then there's the second little. It's actually two thirds and a third, but whatever. Mm-hmm. The for some reason, the back half of this movie, I never really cared about his fight with Silverio. I cared mm-hmm. about his relationship with the kids, and so yeah. to me, the first two thirds of the movie are are better than the last third of the movie. Kind of like Wonder Woman, actually. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in my okay. opinion, fair enough. That's how I feel about that one. I still loved watching it. I was afraid I was going to get bored. I still was was it was into it. You know, at least through the beginning parts. I loved seeing all the Capoeira stuff. I loved hearing the music. I guess the, I guess the nostalgia overtook any issues. You know, it's not a perfect movie, of course not. If it was a great if it was a great movie, it would be more well known. But I still loved it. I still loved it. Obviously, listening through this breakdown, you all kind of realize this is basically just like Stand and Deliver or Lean on Me, but the Capoeira version. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's exactly what this movie is. And I'm very, very similar with you, John. Holy, I mean, I'm right online. This movie will always hold a nostalgic perfection for me. Like, it just hit us at the right time to where, yeah. like, kind of like with that Zoom, Zoom, Zoom song, I hold this movie and elements from it like capoeira like other things like that that i'm just like i they're they're a personal part that like if i see capoeira out on the street because as one does um i'm just like oh man <laughs> Every, all the drug dealers are fighting with it here in georgia um but it, it's become part of us and it's part of my nostalgia and a, a personal thing and so yeah i recognize this is not a great movie hell it might not even be a good movie but to me it's a fucking perfect nostalgic film everybody's got those um, I don't know if I would say that other people just now watching it, would they think it's, would they enjoy it? Would it be good for them? Doubtful. Probably, yeah. But you've, we've all got our own ones. You know, Brian McClure showed us Midnight Madness and he's nostalgic for it and it's a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> but for me, this is not a piece of shit. It's, it's perfection. And so yeah. I love it. And if anybody wants to know a little bit more about us, like, as you said, or as you heard, John... John started studying some shit, and I can guarantee it's because of this movie and this soundtrack. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Like, that's awesome. I fucking love that about the films of our youth. So, yeah. All right, now we are going to talk Iron Chef, uh, the Japanese version first aired from 93 to 1999. It had seven seasons, 291 episodes in that original run. 
So yes, it was a Japanese show first. Uh, it then got picked up by the Food Network and had an English dub in 1999. Uh, so that Japanese version, you know, was around and was shown mm-hmm. early enough. Um, so the show itself, stylized cook-off, basically. It's a, you know, head-to-head competition uh, with some sous chefs with you, where a challenger would then kind of like pick one of the resident iron chefs in a cook battle um, with a specific themed ingredient. And I don't remember, I, I so I watched, I did watch uh, one of the Japanese versions mm-hmm. and one of the uh, Iron Chef America versions that we'll talk about in a second. Yeah. And they used to actually, they picked the person that they wanted to battle against. Right. Did, did they stop doing that in the American version and they just kind of had it randomized or something? I don't remember. I stopped, I stopped watching the Iron Chef America one after about the first year that okay. it came out. Yeah, but you were but you were a fan of the Japanese version, yes? Oh, I was a huge fan of the Japanese version. Yeah, so the the US dub as you mentioned came out in 99. That's when I started college. About a couple years into it, it became a huge thing. We actually had Iron Chef parties when I was in oh. college. We would have a bunch of people we'd get together at someone's apartment and we'd do a potluck. Sometimes someone sometimes we try to be cute and like it has to include these ingredients, but most of the time it was just, you know, bring bring a pot. It was potluck, and then we'd sit down and we'd watch Iron Chef. Um, but we also had a drinking game that went along with it. <laughs> in the ja- And this was just for the Japanese version. This was not for the uh, American version. In Iron Chef, you have three commentators. There's a lead commentator mm-hmm. uh, named Fuki. That's his last name, I believe. And then they usually had two other people. And then they had a floor reporter who was, who was walking around going to the different stations and talking to the chefs while they were cooking and that sort of thing. Every so often, the floor reporter would interrupt the main commentator by saying, Fuki-san, every okay. time someone, every time he said Fuki-san, you took a drink. <laughs> okay. And sometimes right. it would be more than others. Sometimes he'd only do it a few times. Sometimes he would do it mm-hmm. a lot. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah, so you're right. They definitely had different. As, and also there was, besides the um, commentators, there was the host, Chairman Kaga, yes. I think is, yeah. Who was an actor. Yes, he was an actor, and very similar to the American one, which we'll, we'll talk about very shortly. Yeah. He wore very elaborate costumes. <laughs> kind of like a Liberace, almost. Yeah. That's unfortunately something that they didn't really continue, because the chairman was played by Mark Dacascos in uh, Iron Chef America. Yes. And he just had nice suits. Yes. I, ca- I couldn't have seen Mark Dacascos in any kind of elaborate costume. I think a good <laughs> suit is pretty... Good for him. Yeah, fair enough. The so Iron Chef America actually there were t- there were lots of different international versions of Iron Chef. Yeah. You know, depending on what country you lived in. Um, and actually, in two thousand and one, UPN did a uh, two different one hour episodes of Iron Chef USA, hosted by William Shatner, um, and he was the chairman of the American Culinary Academy, is what he said, <laughs> which is you know, whatever. <laughs> and I could kind of see William Shatner being the American if you're if you're trying to fit Chairman Kaga. Into the American side, Shatner kind of fits. Yeah, that's true. That is true. <laughs> but it didn't. Uh, it didn't last. They only had those two episodes. I think the main problem with it, uh, from what I read, they didn't emphasize the uh, the cooking of the food. Like a lot of the the production and, and what they edited wasn't the cooking, and that's why people <laughs> watch the show. That's the whole point of the show. Exactly. So that failed. But in two thousand and four, uh, the Food Network aired a um, a special called Battle of the Masters. Uh, featuring Sakai and Morimoto from the original uh, chef, um, Iron Chef, mm-hmm. brought them on, and they dueled against American Iron Chefs who were Bobby Flay, Mario Batali, and Wolfgang Puck. 
three incredibly famous guys. Actually, at this point, obviously, Wolfgang Puck was the biggest name of those three. Yeah. Without question. Mario Batali, obviously a big restaurateur. He, he, I think Iron Chef, but Iron Chef, Bobby Flay became almost synonymous with Iron Chef for the American version anyway. Yeah, well, he was the only one who actually competed in the original Japanese version. Oh, Bobby Flay did? Bobby Flay did. He actually competed ah. against Morimoto. That's that's really cool. I didn't know that. And I believe he won. Oh, wow. And the, I remember there was a, a big, uh, there was a big hullabaloo about it because... At the end, after he or at the end of the competition, either before they announced him winning or or right like right when the timer went off, you know he's a he's an American. He's you know he's he's trying to pump up the crowd, so he stood up on his cook uh, on his cutting board and tried to get it. And I guess either Morimoto or the Japanese people saw that as a complete sign of disrespect, and he oh. actually called him out on it on the show. Oh, wow. that he was not happy with it, and which I mean. <laughs> To, you know, to us, it's like okay, it's it, it's a it's a cutting board. He just stood on it. He was like, we can watch it, we can you know, whatever. But for the cultural differences, that was not the thing to do. And he apologized for it later. Okay, um, that he was just completely ignorant of that being a cultural thing. But yeah, yeah that's that's how that's the only reason I know is because there was this big to do about the fact that he had stood on the cutting board. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. I, I'm gonna have to go check that out. Uh, that's very cool, though. To me, Morimoto is the most famous of the Iron Chef. Well, he's not the most famous person of them, but when I think Iron Chef, I think him because he prefer, he was on quite a bit of the original, but he was on also quite a bit of the yeah. uh, American version. And well. he's had a successful run of restaurants in the U.S. In fact, I've been to two of his restaurants. I've been to his one in Philadelphia, and I've been to his one here in Vegas. Oh, very cool. And in the American version, uh, there were announcers. Uh, this one was hosted, the, or not hosted, this one was host, hosted by Mark Dacascus, who was his character, the chairman, as right. they just called, was uh, quote-unquote the nephew of the Japanese chairman. They tried right. to tie that in. That was so unnecessary. It was un- it was completely <laughs> unnecessary because, I mean, Mark yeah. Dacascus does not look like no. Kaga. He does have Japanese heritage. Yeah. Um, but he's got, a, actually, he's got a lot of mix of a lot of stuff. He was born in Hawaii, um, but he's got like... Japanese, uh, maybe some Hawaiian, maybe some Filipino. Yeah, uh, I can't remember exactly what it all was. Yeah, um, but he, but he also grew up in Germany, and I think he speaks. He speaks like I think three languages or more. Yeah, like pretty impressive. But yeah, Alton Brown was like the main commentator, and you'd hear him. I love, I love Alton Brown. Anything he says, I treat <laughs> as fact. <laughs> uh, Alton Brown is my favorite Food Network chef celebrity. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Good eats. It's the yeah. it's the only cooking show I actually like own episodes of. I mm-hmm. bought like seasons of them and I will watch them. I loved that show. Also, he was a UGA alum. Yes, he is. Go dogs. Woo, go dogs. The way he ties things in in a fun but educational way. It, 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 with Good Eats particularly. Yeah. Not so much with this show. He's um but like you just trust what he says. I mean, it is I kind of put out in brown especially with the Good Eats stuff. I put him up there with like the uh, LeVar Burton's or the Mark Summers with Unwrapped or right. like any of that stuff. Like they're just really good hosts. And yeah. you, you just, if they say something, I don't want to fact check it. <laughs> I I guarantee you it's correct. Yeah. <laughs> I've used a ton of his recipes and they're mm. always good. So the, the Iron Chef America would become a full show in 2005 and it ran up until 2018, 13 mm-hmm. seasons 205 episodes. The Japanese version in particular, well, the American version, I would say in particular, became a really fun, high production, 
action-packed cooking show, but they got those elements from Japan. Yeah. It just kind of was cranked up to, like, you know, more recent times, I would say. And, John, there was even an Iron Chef America game in 2008 for the Wii that we could we could all play. Oh, really? <laughs> so, pretty popular enough. Uh, let me go into, I guess, my final thoughts. Is sure. there anything else you wanted to... Well, I can... You know, I can go over... Uh, let me see some of the win percentages. Sure. Uh, Mario Batali has a 79.2 win percentage in Iron Chef. Nice. Which is pretty cool. Bobby Flay had 72. Uh, there are two of them with 100%, but that to me, that doesn't really count. Uh, Wolfgang Puck, because but he only did one right. battle. And so he won that one. And then uh, Stephanie Izzard, but she only had two. Yeah, uh, battles, and so that, that I threw those out. I've been to, with the exception of that last person, who I actually don't know who that is. Mm. I've eaten at everybody's restaurants. I've had, I've been at Bobby Flay's. Now, granted, they a lot of them have restaurants here in Vegas, and that's it's not a hard thing to find. Um, uh, but yeah. I've eaten at Batali's, a couple of Batali's restaurants. I've been, I've eaten at Bobby Flay's restaurant. Uh, I mentioned Morimoto's. I've eaten at several Wolfgang Puck's restaurants. Cool. I mean, the the early two thousands was the beginning of the celebrity chef. Yeah, you're right. The celebrity chef. Because that's when we started getting, uh, you know, in addition to these guys who had big shows on Food Network, we started getting guys like Emeril, Mm -hmm. um, who was huge in the mid-2000s, his show. And actually, our uncle worked on his show. Oh, yeah. Tom did? Yep. For lighting? For lighting. Yeah. I mean, there were, obviously, there were some other famous, like, uh, Julia Childs comes to mind. Yeah. She was the, but, like, she was actually... Actually, it's hard. She's not a chef. She was a cook. Yes. And she would probably be the first person to say that, too. Yeah. And, and, and you know, even Martha Stewart, she's not a chef. She's a cook or other stuff. Yeah. Um, but you're right. When it comes to the Gordon Ramsays, the, the people who are legit restaurant-owning Michelin star-winning celebrities, I would say a lot in thanks to shows like this. And, oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, other ones that helped blew it up. So um, transitioning into kind of my thoughts. Sure. This show, it's it's fun. I really like cooking shows and rewatching this one. Um, it is really fun. And the American version, I mean, it's a little bit newer and it's a little bit more fast paced and they make more dishes. Mm-hmm. The They do make multiple dishes in the first one too, but I do feel that they emphasize the food a little bit more in the Japanese version. Mm-hmm. Um, and the American version was just a little bit more... Uh, production value. Yeah. You know, so there, it got you a little bit more of that glitz and glamour. The whole mystery ingredient is a fun thing. Uh, you know, that was incorporated in a lot of different cooking shows after this. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Chopped is one where you have to cook with these certain things yeah. or other stuff like that. I would say this show is incredibly influential when it comes to cooking battles and, you know, that head-to-head kind of cooking competition. Yeah. Every show that came on afterwards... Um, from chopped to even like say nailed it or British baking the British Bake Off or any of that kind of stuff. Right. A lot of those were all influenced or Hell's Kitchen or whatever that, any of that kind of shit influenced by Iron Chef that specifically the Japanese version. So I think it was and I and I watched one of them and I really enjoyed it and I could see this being a show to go back and rewatch and every time I hear Fukisan I will think about that and take a drink. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, I, I had a lot of fun going back and rewatching Iron Chef. Yeah. How about you? Uh, I did as well. Um, I only watched one of the American ones. Uh, I actually always preferred the Japanese version. I just had more fun. I actually had, I guess I have a little bit more of a nostalgic pull because that was the one that we started watching when they started showing reruns of it uh, on Food Network. 
Um, also, that was about the time I started really getting interested in cooking, and about 2005 is when I actually went to culinary school. So this was about that time. So all of this stuff really played into my interests, just as a person. And I loved going back, and I loved going back and watching the the Japanese stuff. Also because, not just because I have that nostalgic tie, but I enjoy learning about foreign ingredients and, and foreign cooking styles and that sort of thing. And Japan is very high on my list of places to go uh, one day to visit. I still enjoy it. I don't usually seek it out, but if it happens to be on, I will watch it. Um, it's one of the few sort of cooking shows um, that I still enjoy watching. I used to heavily watch the Food Network, but um, I have some kind of personal thoughts on kind of what happened in the Food Network and how they, they changed some things. I will recommend this book because it kind of talks about that change. If you are familiar at all with the TV host Anthony Bourdain, um, who we unfortunately lost a few years ago, go read or listen to. I, I, you know, audiobooks are really good these days. And actually, Anthony Bourdain does the talking or does the narration for all of his audiobooks. Um, he very famously had the... Um, Kitchen Confidential book that he wrote, but I recommend his book Medium Raw. It is quite possibly one of my favorite books of all time. I have read and listened to that book probably dozens of times. It's kind of one of my go-to audiobooks for road trips because I still love listening to Anthony Bourdain talk, and he has incredible stories. So I really, really recommend that one. Talking about the Food Network, he talks about it in there, but there's other stuff too. But Back to Iron Chef, it's a lot of fun. It was a cool idea. I kind of thought that the American version got a little too overproduction, which is kind of why I stopped watching it, but it's still an enjoyable cooking show. It is. Actually, one thing I, I wanted to add in there, uh, Batali left after, I think it was like season six or something like that, whatever it was, mm -hmm. because he noticed things were getting shitty with um, the guest judges and whatnot, that he wasn't happy because they would start just having like these as he put it, skinny little actresses and other stuff like that, right. and not ha and having less and less real food judges or you know restaurateurs or people who like new food, and so you had these world-renowned chefs, him included, and they're like, we're getting judged by these people who don't understand any of the techniques or any of this kind of shit. So right. it's like, fuck this, I'm out. So I thought that was. And I think that ties into how the American version got more and more um, just for looks and, yeah. and more production value style. Also, so. like Emerald and and Batali kind of got drummed out because i actually used to like watching like mario batala's actual cooking show mm -hmm. um, not just you know not just the iron chef stuff but and even even emerald had like a regular show i yeah. did used to watch his emerald live show where he cooked in front of an audience and then i kind of got sick of that one but i i would still watch his he had just like a regular one on during the day where it was just you know it was just him you know without an yeah. audience so he wasn't he wasn't up performing for all that so i still and and I remember having discussions with fellow culinary students about, oh, this guy's a sellout and blah, blah, blah. And, and like Bobby Flay was like the epitome of like the sellout <laughs> to the chefs when I was um, when I was in culinary school. But I still would watch his show because even if he is a sellout, I can still learn something from watching it, which is why I usually I can watch any cooking show because there's there's always going to be something that I can learn. Yeah. So, so. you watch Only the Strong? And you start doing careers in music. You you have a beer and bow. Um, you even taken a capoeira class. You watch Mark Dacascos and, and Iron Chef stuff. And you go to culinary school. I think this guy is very influential in your life. I agree. And it's probably a good thing that I haven't seen John Wick 3. 
Yeah. <laughs> there you go, John. John becomes the world's largest assassin. Yeah. <laughs> Literally the world's largest yeah. assassin. <laughs> right. This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by... you find the sports car in the newest Mazda? Zoom, zoom, zoom. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Yeah, zoom, 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 zoom. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zoom, zoom, The new 200-horsepower Mazda MPV. Body of a minivan. Soul of a sports car. Uh, all right, and now for the casting portion of the show, as we mentioned, we are going to recast Only the Strong using actors of today. Adam, I had a hell of a time. I'm not actually particularly happy with this. First of all, I'm not sure why I put it on there. I think I just put it on there because it made sense with the movie, mm-hmm. but it was damn near impossible. So with you, I am not at all happy with any of my castings. Oh, maybe, honestly, I'm actually probably most happy with the students. Okay. The student casting, I'm most happy with <laughs> everyone else. Eh. Yeah, it was uh, kind of Particularly my, my Lewis Stevens, I'm just like, nope, nope. <laughs> I couldn't find it. I couldn't find anybody. Yeah, there's not anyone like Mark Dacascos. No, I, really. I wanted I wanted to keep uh, one for some, for, for kind of for Lewis and for Savario, because I wanted to keep things like set in, I mean, it doesn't have to be set in Miami, um, but it can be set somewhere else. But it got you someplace where I would say, Someone like a Silvario and whatnot can can kind of come to power. Well, I mean, um, re- so to be honest, really, your choices in those boys are going to be South Florida or South Car- or South Cal- uh, California. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking like Los Angeles, exactly Los Angeles or exactly Miami area. Yeah, pretty much. That's about it. Um, because Capoeira is super Brazilian, and yes. so you have to stick to like you know South American um, or Hispanic Latino actors, yes. that kind of thing. I first started off by trying to look through a shit ton of people who who had martial arts skills. Right. And the list that I find, one, none of them were really Hispanic that it showed. And then a lot of them are, you know, my, are from some Asian stuff. And I'm not changing mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff because I want capoeira. God damn it. The capoeira is going to stay. Yeah. <laughs> then I started looking up Brazilian actors. Like, okay, you know what I can do? I can make sure Silvario is Brazilian or I can make sure other stuff. And... I had a damn big trouble time finding actors who were from Brazil. Yeah. That I liked. Yep. Um, that had any kind of credits. So I just ended up picking up for pretty much for Lewis, because if you're from Miami, you need to have probably some Hispanic, because uh, I kept Miami, um, Hispanic culture. And then I, I just kind of went with Hispanic actors for a lot of stuff. So unfortunately, much like the film, most of my actors who are kind of from or around the Brazil area are probably more Mexican or Caribbean or stuff. Right. So. Yeah, it was difficult. Uh, so we are going to do quite a few characters, so let's get into this. We're going to do Lewis, uh, Diana, Kerrigan, Savario, Cochran, Felipe, uh, and then for the students, we're going to do Orlando, Shea, and Donovan. I wanted to keep the list of students low because I knew we would have to look for young actors there, and I know how much you like uh, casting kids. So I t- This time, I think I, I nailed it with a couple of them. Okay. I think I probably overcast for a few, including some of the kids, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll take it out as it goes. All right, so let's start with Donovan, the music lover. Who did you go with? All right, we are doing a martial arts film. And if you're thinking of 
students doing martial arts, there is one show that is above them all right now, and that is Cobra Kai. So that is where I went for eh, two of my students, you'll find. Um, And this one is from it. I think he is a badass. He starts off very, very nerdy, but very quickly he, he feels the calling. The calling of the hawk, and uh, he gets a mohawk, and he's just badass. I thought he could play, you know, because he can play nerdy enough just fine, uh, and Donovan, a music lover guy. So I went with uh, Jacob Bertrand, who plays Hawk in Cobra Kai. Okay, cool. I, okay, so I have to t- tell you something. Um, I have to admit, I completely forgot about this casting until 30 minutes we, before we started recording. <laughs> rush, yeah, <laughs> rush job. So I totally rush job this, and I completely forgot that Cobra Kai existed. Uh, uh, I probably okay. should have pulled some of my kids from there, but I, I that's that's okay. They have to learn anyway. So I mean, they're, they're actors; they can be taught. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure some of these guys didn't start out as as martial artists in Cobra Kai as well. But um, I probably rushed my Donovan casting. I end up going with a kid who's probably more well known than he needs to be for this sort of uh, one. I went with Jacob Tem- Tremblay. Oh, okay, yeah, he's young. How old is that kid now? He's in his teens. Okay, but I mean, yeah, the thing is, I still think of him as, like, that's the problem. Yeah. Still, oh, yeah, yeah, wow, even his picture is like, wow, you're definitely older than I remember. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 2006, yeah, he is all right. He's in his teens. He definitely play a high school kid. You're right, he is, um, I mean, he's one of those kids that's like, wow, you're expecting a lot, like, good acting-wise. He's like a legit good actor. Right. Uh, but he can play young music nerd. I can totally see that from him. Yeah. So, okay. Okay, cool. All right, let's go to Shay. Uh, I'll start off... I'm not really sure why I casted this kid as Shay. I just thought, oh, that's a that's a name that would draw kids to watch this movie. I went with Jaden Smith. Maybe the vibes from Karate Kid, because he starred in the reboot right. with Jackie, Jackie Chan. Maybe that was getting in your head. Um, that's, I mean, he is an actor, and he's done that kind of stuff. So there's, you know, there is that in there. Um, my only problem is just with Jaden Smith himself. He's such a pretentious little fuck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that I have trouble with him, but maybe he's not. Maybe that's me just, you know, vibing too much. He's still young. Maybe, you know, you know, maybe he's better, better now. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't want to shit too much on it because I haven't seen if he's been doing a lot of acting recently. So right. I don't know. Maybe this could be his return. Yeah. Let's go with that. Sure. Cool. All right. Who'd you go with? I dove into, uh, you know, okay. Well, you're looking for high school kids and like kind of the younger kids. Now um, this guy plays a, Kid actually, you know, in like, I think it's early high school, but he's 20 um, and he's getting older, just like, you know, a lot of the other kids, just like a Jacob Tremblay. You see him, you know, you see him early on in Stranger Things and you're just like, oh, you're going to be a kid forever. Uh, (laughs) No, but I went with uh, Caleb McLaughlin or or McLaughlin, however he pronounces it, um, from uh, Stranger Things as Shay. Yep. Classic casting. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. That's exactly what we do. Uh, uh, Okay. Orlando. I actually had a very difficult time finding an Orlando. But I ended up going with a guy who doesn't have a lot of credits. In fact, he's only got two. Oh, that's not true. He has more than two credits, but not a lot. But he's been on a TV show on, I say he's on Netflix for the last like three years now at this point, two or three years. And he's about the right age and he's got a good look. Uh, his name is Diego Tinoco and he's been on, uh, on my block, which is a Netflix series. Okay. I've not seen it. Yeah. He's got a good look to him. Okay, he's been in that Teen Wolf show, which is kind of like a uh, action-y kind of show. Yeah. So he's probably done some of that stuff. Okay, yeah, good-looking kid. Sure. And I think he probably could pull off, yeah, I I think that fits. All right, who did you go with? 
Uh, as I mentioned, I already had a different uh, Cobra Kai person earlier, and I went right back to it. It's actually someone I have cast before. I went with uh, the main char- character, the main kid in um, in uh, Cobra Kai. He plays Miguel. His name is Zolo Maraduena. Okay. Duena. I mean, that's got to be so. a solid pick. So, yeah, I still I mean, have not seen the show, but I, I highly recommend it. Um, I mean, it's obviously gotten very popular with stuff, but like for people like us, we enjoy, car- you know, we enjoy nostalgia, obviously. And they do a really good job of kind of tying things back in. And, and really, you, you at points, you really feel for Johnny and um, what's happened. And, and, and sometimes you're rooting for for Ralph Macchio, for for Danny. Sometimes you're rooting, rooting for Johnny. And it's just like. It's cool. They do a really good job of it. Yeah. Cool. Uh, okay. Felipe. I fucking cursed myself after I started trying to find actors for this role. Yeah. I could not find anyone that I thought fit like the age range and everything perfectly. Nope. nope. I wanted I wanted someone as kind of unique. as Yeah. Uh, 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 Je- uh, Jeffrey Anderson Gunder has a very distinct look to him. He like he looks very good. I was trying to remember where else I had seen him. I forgot he was in the video, uh, the music video for Black or White. Oh, that's right. He was one of the faces that they morph into. Exactly. Um, yes. And he he's a very distinct look. He's he's been on. I every so often he'll be on something that I, I you know pop up. Um, he was a big mainstay in the '90s uh, for like cop procedurals, usually playing gangsters mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Nobody looks quite like him. Yeah. And I. I could not quite find someone, but I'm gonna let you go first, and then you can make fun of my casting afterwards. I I won't. I first actually started off like, okay, I need to find a Jamaican actor. <laughs> and exactly, I, <laughs> and I couldn't um, that fit, and so I was just like, well, fuck it. He doesn't have to be Jamaican, uh, you know, or <laughs> the guy can act Jamaican. And so then I kind of went to, all right, who did I cast as my Shay, Caleb McLaughlin? Who do I think you know has a could look enough like an older brother? Because Shay and Philippe, the the actors, did not look like brothers at all no. to me. <laughs> so, uh, so I was sorry. Who's somebody? Uh, this guy is a pretty big name actor, particularly in the uh, movie, the uh, Christopher Nolan movie that came out recently, Tenet. He's been in Black Klansman. Really strong actor. This is probably way too small of a role for him, but oh well. I went with John David Washington. Uh, you know what? I think I saw his name pop up. Yes. I think I've used him for something. I think you have too. Um, but I, I 100% feel, I mean, he's a really good actor. And I think, you know, I could see him as an older brother to my Shay. So. Okay. Uh, that is a much better selection than what I did. <laughs> okay. uh, I was fucking hellbound to find a Jamaican to play this role. <laughs> so I decided to step outside of the acting ring and find someone. Ziggy Marley? No, I, I did actually look at the, at the. I looked at, at Damian Marley. I did look at Ziggy Marley. Those guys, uh-huh. they're just a little older, especially yeah. Ziggy. So one thing about about Jeffrey Anderson is he's he's got he was pretty built. He's got a tough look. Yeah. He did. So yeah, it does, I went with another guy who is pretty has a pretty tough look. Uh, in fact, he was 2018 Mister Olympia. His name is Sean Roden, uh, and he is I Jamaican. Know Sean all right. Um, yeah, uh, Sean Roden is actually has been in some deep shit, um, and Uh-oh. they haven't let him back into um, t- into Mr. Olympia, and he hasn't been able to do anything because he's on trial. He's basically was uh, he wasn't indicted or anything yet. I think they're still. I can't remember exactly what the uh, controversy was. I, I think it was domestic abuse, something like okay. that. Uh, but I, I don't remember if that's it or not. But there is there was definitely things to where. 
he's controversial enough that we're not letting him back onto the stage on Mr. Olympia since then. For a body, he's got a gorgeous body. Sean Roden, I've mentioned before, I think, about how much I do appreciate bodybuilding and I keep up to date with it. So I'm well versed in who he is. Interesting call. <laughs> cool. I, at least, and, at least I got an interesting call out of you for that yeah, one. Yes, without question, that's an interesting. Well, if call. he can't go back on on, if he can't you know compete anymore, then maybe we can try acting. Yeah, maybe. I, I'd like to see him back on stage because he's the guy who dethroned uh, Phil Hellmuth. Not Hellmuth. Phil Hellmuth is a poker player. <laughs> uh, Phil Heath. Uh, Phil Heath w- had won seven in a row, and he was trying to tie Ronnie Coleman and Lee Haney for the most of all time. Uh, and then Sean wrote, but he had a big old bubble gut in 2018 and Sean Roden came in tight. His abs were great. Everything looked very well proportioned. So I'm a fan of Sean Roden, mm-hmm. but I'm curious to see is that now granted some of the acting in this movie wasn't the best. <laughs> so you know what? Let it, let it, letting it slide. I may have to, in addition to spending, you know, spending money to teach the, the, the people how to do, you know, capoeira, yeah. we may have to invest in some acting coaching. Yeah, probably. I do think I agree with you that my choice of John David Washington is probably yes. better. <laughs> <laughs> Acting wise, is much better. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right, uh, Cochrane, who is the principal. This uh, this really could be anybody. Yeah, really, absolutely. So I was looking around at character actors that I'd seen before, and uh, I went. I looked at the same list. I kind of <laughs> pulled up. List of character actors. So I went with a guy who looks, he looks like a principal. Um, I've seen him in a bunch of different stuff. Uh, he was recently in uh, WandaVision for a few episodes, and his name is Fred Melamed. Oh, I've definitely seen that guy. He's one of those, I know that guy. Exactly. <laughs> he, you've, seen, he, you've seen him in a bunch of stuff. Yep. Boy, does he look like a principal. <laughs> You're so right. He has got a principal look. Yep. So uh, I'm cool with that. Very cool with that. All right. Who did you go with? Um, I went with, because I guess what I saw from Cochran, the principal, he was slightly, he was younger than Kerrigan, in in my opinion. I saw that. Uh-huh. Um, but this guy definitely could be a principal of uh, of a thing. He's got that right age range. Another strong actor. I always kind of got like kind of asshole douchey vibes from Cochran a little bit in the movie. Um, just mm-hmm. elements of that. Yeah. And so this guy, he was definitely an asshole douche. Uh, when he played Littlefinger in Game of Thrones, but he can do an American accent just fine because um, he was in The Wire, and I loved him in The Wire as well. I went with Aiden mm-hmm. Gillen. That's a totally good call. I think that okay. works. I actually just watched a movie with him in it that was horrible. Oh, no. <laughs> um, do you know what it was called? Yeah, hold on. I'll look. It, they just released it like a month or two ago. Those Who Wish Me Dead? Yes. Okay. It was not great. Oh, oh, Angelina Jolie. That's right. It's on HBO Max. Uh, you know what? I did, I have seen either a trailer or some some like promo shots for this. Yes. Yeah. We we watched it and uh, it was not great. I mean, it's got a lot of big name people in yeah. it too. Oh, Angel- Nicholas Holt, John Bernthal. Exactly. Bernthal. Yeah. Which is it's Ty- funny. Tyler Perry. Does Tyler Perry play Medea or is he <laughs> just using himself? He shows up for all of like three minutes. Okay. In the movie, it's much, the weird thing is is like. Angelina Jolie is like on the cover, but John mm-hmm. Bernthal is actually more of the main. You spend more time with John Bernthal than you do with Angelina Jolie. Huh. Okay. It's not great. <laughs> I'm I mean, getting that vibe. It's like I've seen worse. Yeah. I've definitely seen worse, but it's definitely not great. Okay. I will uh I'll save the time. There you go. Wait till you're drunk. Yeah. Woo. So a couple minutes. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, Savario, Saverio, excuse me. All right, who who did you end up going with? <laughs> You're gonna laugh. It's I a terrible am. call. I had such a difficult, such a difficult job with Silverio. You know, again, I started off looking at some martial art actors and then shifted over to Brazilian actors and then had to shift over to Latino actors. And even then, I still couldn't get 10 years ago, maybe my guy would have been the right call. But, you know, Silverio is an older cousin. He doesn't have to be. Now, could I think this guy could probably beat me up? Yeah, this guy could beat me up. Could he beat up like a Green Beret? He's probably too old for that. And he's way too good of an actor to be compared to the Silverio actor, who is Uh much more of a soap opera actor. (laughs) So he's too old, and he's not nearly as as intimidating and as good of a fighter, probably. Well, Silverio wasn't a good fighter. That he was, you could tell he trained for like two weeks or something. Yeah, he wasn't as good as Mark Dacascos. Anyway, I went with Javier Bardem. That's a terrible call, and I hate it. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of is. It's a terrible. It kind of is. I'm sorry. I really I don't am. apologize. I, Javier Bardem is a great actor, yeah. but not for this. No, not not at all for this. So I'm sorry. <laughs> um, we'll well we'll see if you like who I went with because I did go with a Brazilian. Okay. Um, and in fact, this was one of the few times where I actually didn't have to look that hard because I've seen this guy in a lot of stuff. He was in Love Actually, and recently he's been in Westworld, but um, most famously probably he played Xerxes in 300. Uh, his name is Rodrigo Santoro. Okay, yeah. I mean, I've definitely seen him yeah, skinny. I mean, he Xerxes, they made him look big and made him look tough. Yeah. Um, though he's actually kind of a skinnier guy. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. But yeah, just looking at those pictures, yeah, he looked looked good in that one. He's in play, he plays... Um, he plays one of the the kind of the the bandit guys in Westworld. Okay. Um, oh yeah, yeah, the guy with the robot. hat. Uh, yeah, yeah the, the dark, the very he wore a lot of dark um, Western wear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, he was good in that. Yeah, that's a better call than mine. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, mine's a better actor. How about that? <laughs> True, but I think mine's better for this role. Probably. Probably. Uh, all right, Kerrigan. Our, our, I don't know how do I put this. Our kind oh, of our... guiding teacher, yeah, if you will. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mentor. Light. Yeah, mentor. There we go. Kind of almost father figure mentor yeah. to Lewis. Yeah. So I went with another kind of big name character actor who has been in a ton of stuff, especially TV shows. You'll If you don't recognize his name, you'll recognize, recognize him immediately. He's been everywhere. I went with Oliver Platt. Oh, I know Oliver Platt. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Exactly. I mean, he's definitely, I've seen him... You see him in so many things. He's a great actor. He can do anything like this. I could see him being kind of like, you know, a guiding light. Yeah. You know, father. I mean, he looks like he would be like a mentor teacher. Yeah. Yeah. I'm totally cool with that call. Okay. All right. Who did you go with? I also went the character actor route. I wanted somebody who, uh, you know, you've seen in plenty of different stuff. Um, Someone who I felt could play an older teacher. So I I have Mike Kerrigan being older than like the the Cochran for sure. Mm -hmm. And we've seen him. I, I know we both like him. Uh, we loved him as the cowboy in Inner Space, but he's done so many different things. I went with Robert Picardo. Oh, I love Robert Picardo. Yeah. That's a good call, too. Yeah. Yeah. I love Both Picardo. of them. It's hard for me to say shit about any of them. I mean, I love yeah. Oliver Platt. Love Robert Picardo. So. Yeah. They're both great character actors. They they yep. work perfectly. Uh, all right. Diana. Who did you go with for Diana? I struggled on this one a little bit. I was trying to find, uh, you know, a female who attractive. But also, 
I don't know. Yeah, I just, I'm not, I'm not happy with this choice either. Uh, but I don't really, you know, it's okay. I, I went with uh, maybe, maybe the name stuck out because her name is also Diana. I went with Diana Agron. She's right around the same age as the guy who I cast for my Louis Stevens. And she's probably most famous for being in Glee. But she's, I kind of stuck with the kind of like the blonde look. But she's just a attractive blonde actress. Um, I wouldn't say she's the best actress, but she's fine. Yeah, attractive blonde actress. Hey, she's yeah. from Savannah. Hey, that's right. And she's from Georgia, so she's awesome. Cool. Um, uh, I definitely went with a more well-known name. Okay. Not that that was ne- not that that was necessary for this movie, but mm-hmm. who knows if this movie isn't going to turn out like I want? Maybe I need all the star power I can get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I also needed somebody who was around the same age as my my Lewis. I think she is. I kind of was going off of. I saw her age, and I was like, "Oh, that's pretty close." Mm-hmm. So I'm looking here. Yeah, actually, she's older than my Lewis by just a couple of years, so that mm-hmm. works fine. I went with Emma Watson. Oh, okay. So you, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's right, Emma. Emma Watson. I was about to say, oh, you went a little bit older, but like, wait, no, yeah, she's not like, much. She's 29. She's 29. Yeah, she's four years younger than the actress I put, so they're close enough in that range. Emma Watson, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm cool. I'm cool with that. Yep. I could see her as kind of like a teacher, you know, yeah. kind of vibe. And she's very attractive. And yeah. okay. use her American accent, but I've seen her do that in some movies. So Yeah. All right. Uh, I, I don't love it for the role, but I, I mean, I'm fine with it. Yeah. It's not a big role to begin with anyway. So No, it's really not. Uh, all right. Uh, I am not at all looking forward to this. Louis nope. Stevens. Uh, I had a hell of a time. I Initially, I was like, okay, who are the big uh, actors of you know today who are martial artists? And I wasn't really happy with any of them, but I kind of I just I stuck with one. Although the weird thing is, he hasn't acted since 2018. I know exactly where you're going because I looked him up. And he was the first person I looked up. Yeah, uh, I wasn't. I, you know, we'll see how it goes. I went with Taylor Lautner. Yeah, I immediately thought of him because I was like, all right, he's probably at the age range that I want now for my he, Lewis. He's about the right age range. Yeah, um, he might be a little bit young. He is filming something, so they're, he's mm-hmm. doing something. But yeah, since 2018, yeah. he hasn't done anything. He's he's not he's not the best actor from the things that I've seen, but like, right. it's not that big of a deal. See, that's the thing about Mark Dacascos is is aside from being a a good martial artist, he's a fairly decent actor. Yeah, absolutely, and that makes this particularly difficult. Exactly, I, this is my <laughs> least favorite. I, I don't. I don't hate the Tyler Lautner call because that was the first thing that came to my head. I just right. tried to shift off of it because I, because I saw, actually I saw the same thing that I was like, oh, he hasn't acted since 2018. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but I, I, I know where you went and I see where you went and I'm, I'm fine with it. All right. Who so. did you go with? <sighs> I went with uh, a guy who, who's got some like leading man as looks to him. I think he's a good looking dude. Actually, he looks, he looks more regular, White, but I know he's got. I think he's got some Hispanic heritage, as well. He is a mixed martial arts fighter. It says on his IMDb thing, and that's ultimately where I'm like, okay. Now the problem is he's not a name, uh, mm-hmm. and that was my issue. I was like, well, you know, he's he's not anyone drawing the star power. I'm I'm only drawing my star power from Javier Bardem, basically, and, and <laughs> David John and John David Washington, and right. whatnot. So, his name is Ryan Guzman. He has been in Heroes. He's in the show 911 right now. He was in Step Up Revolution, if that helps. Good-looking guy, doesn't have the star power that I would want, but I had a just it's just the toughest damn time trying to replace Mark Dacascos. Yeah. So, but he's good-looking dude and it said mixed martial arts, so I'm like, okay, we can probably teach him capoeira. So, I like that. Yeah. I don't, I don't know anything about him. 
But he's <laughs> I know that's dude. my problem. Yeah, I don't I don't know anything, dude. but he's a good looking dude, and I saw martial arts in his I mean, in his description. So if here's the thing, if only the strong was just about like karate or kung fu or something that's had a bunch of movies made about it already, I'd be like, hey, make it a mixed martial arts movie and you know change it up. But mm-hmm. Capoeira, it, that's the heart of this movie, and so you cannot change that. Without question, it has to stay Capoeira. So I can. That's why it was damn near impossible to do this, <laughs> yeah. and yep. I regret the fact that we put it on the, on the list. 100%. I was so excited to talk about the movie, and so not excited to recast it. Yeah. Oh well. All right, and that was our recasting of an only the strong movie. Please join us next time for another album review episode. This time, John and Adam are joined by Reed from the Dr. DC podcast as they review the Goo Goo Dolls album, Dizzy Up the Girl. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. Hi, my name is Scott, and I host a nostalgia cast called People Don't Forget. Join me each episode for a deep dive into all things nostalgia. Do you remember your favorite songs from the year 2000 or the TV shows you watched in 2003? If you don't, that's okay. Listen to People Don't Forget and take a particular journey with me down memory lane.